So, if you turn to um, John 4, and we're going to start at verse 15, the context tonight is down to verse 38, but I'm going to read to verse 15 to 26 to get us started. And um, I'm going to try to rush along. I'm, I'm learning how to be Presbyterian um, as I go. So in John 4, 15 through 26, uh, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And I want to correct myself this morning. I said four, and it's right here. It was five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. A few years ago, um, shortly after I, I told you this morning how I had given my life to the Lord, and um, that next year, 1978, it became an issue of whether, whether I was going to continue my pursuit of a Ph.D. in math and go to Ohio State. My professor had arranged for me to have a scholarship there or um, find God's will. So I was taking some time to pray and ride around. But in the meantime, I was in a church, and I met a young lady. This is long before my wife. And I, I met a young lady, and she was in trouble. She had a couple small children, and she was very sincere in her conversion. And I just thought I could rescue her, and we can get married and be happy ever after, and I'll help the kids, and et cetera, et cetera. Only problem is it wasn't necessarily God's leading. So Dave told me that, my my mentor, and and I told him, I didn't care what he was saying, I'm getting married. You know, he said he had waited, you know, five years. I'm like, you're out of your mind if you think I'm waiting that long. I'm 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 getting married right now. Oh, am I putting myself on the spot here? <laughs> and I drove to Jackson that night and he had me spend the night with a new staff member with Crusade, a guy named Grover Cooper. And he said, gee, man, you getting married, Jay? He said, wow, that's pretty serious. 
All I know is that's a big deal. I just I don't want to marry the one I can live with. I want to marry the one I can't live without. And he turns over and goes to sleep. <laughs> and he drops that bomb on me. And I'm sitting there all night going, I can live without her. <laughs> and I had to go tell Dave, I'm sorry, you're right. And I've been, I've been stubborn. So I drove straight back and told the young lady, um, I can't follow through with what I promise. And she said, God has already shown me that we want to be together and that you're going to be doing great things and you're going to be traveling the world doing great things for Christ. At the time, I thought it was an insane idea what she was saying. But the very next day, I was driving on the road and I was thinking about what if I had went my way, done my will, and it would have been a mistake. God wasn't leading me. I was leading me. And what if I married this girl, then I met the one I was supposed to be with, and I couldn't be with her? And I just panicked, like, I can't make decisions about my life. I need to know from God what he wants me to do. And the Holy Spirit just came on me, and I pulled over on the side of the road, and that's when I made the classic statement. I, I just... I hadn't read it in a book or anything. I just said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to be, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, I'm willing to do it, even if it's Campus Crusade for Christ. (laughs) And he led me to crusade in prison ministry and RTS seminary and planting churches in St. Louis, and, and here I am. And I say that to you because we have wills tonight. And, and, and we've talked about this morning how God has called the church to be faithful in its proclamation, explanation of eternal life, of the gospel, the euangelion, the good news. And tonight I want to submit to you that Jesus is sending his church into a dark world To reap a harvest of souls. But we have to be willing and available and teachable and humble servants. So tonight, continuing with the passage this morning, the the woman, we left the woman off with the well. She was saying, hey, sir, you got this water to drink, you know, Jesus says, you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. And then in verse 15, she starts with, um, Sir, give me this water to drink so that I will not be thirsty again or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband, for you have had five. And the one you're with is not your husband. Four things tonight. It's going to be an acronym, ACTS. And the first thing, the first thing is A, Jesus addresses sin in the life of the woman. The gospel addresses 
sin. She had a sin issue. And we have to speak to people when we share with them, we're introducing them to the gospel. We're already stirring up the sin issue in their life. They already know, oh, I have problems. They must be willing to admit that they're, they're, they have guilt before the Lord. And so, and before they can come to faith. And so John 4, three fourteen, Jesus says it this way. And as the Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so much the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, the reason I bring that to you is what Jesus says is just as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. When people start looking at Christ, they have to look at their stubbornness of their wills and their the willfulness against sin. And so Moses, if you remember the story, the, the people were grumbling and God sent serpents among them. And when the serpents came among them, it was biting folks and they were dying. And they were like, oh, what to do? And Moses, God told Moses, get us a bronze snake, put it up. And anybody who would just simply do this, all you had to do, this is what you had to do. Just look up and you would be cured. And do you know some folks who are like you and me? They were too stiff neck to just turn their heads and look up. And it's the same way with people today when they hear the gospel. God's calling us to repentance. And so one of the things we have to address is sin when we talk to people about the gospel. John three seventeen through 21 basically says, For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. But in order that the world might be saved through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment. That light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works would be exposed does that sound like a world we've been living in but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God Sharing Christ means addressing sin in the life of people. The second thing Jesus do, the A, the C, Jesus clarified her false perceptions. Look at verse 4, chapter 4, verse 19 through 23. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. So here's a point he's clarifying that she, going from her Samaritan background, I'm feeling like I got a lot to explain and I got a little time to do it. But here's what happened. Remember when I told you this morning the Assyrians took over and they left behind the 
the mixed race Samaritans. Well, they only accepted the first five books of the Bible. And because they had been worshiping false gods up in the northern kingdom, instead of in Jerusalem, they had decided that the mountain is the place to worship. And so now this had become a big issue and debate between them. And now Jesus is saying, you're in error. That's, that's false. He's clarifying. You worship what you do not know. Salvation is from the Jews, meaning it's about me. It's about coming to me. And now is here when the true worshipers will, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So, when we talk to people about the gospel, we have to clarify their false presuppositions. And everybody has them. In our society, there's a false presupposition that a man is the same as a woman as long as he identifies himself as a woman. And I say to them, what you call yourself transgender, I say to them not to be judgmental or hateful of them. You just simply don't believe in creation. You're saying that there's no creator. The very fact that women are created is one of the testimonies that God is the creator. Because when you think of creation versus evolution, the evolution single cell doesn't work because it has no explanation for the female or the reproductive system. And they've, they've been wrestling with it from the beginning. And they know it's true. And, and they have no answers. So the very fact that God created female suitable. Adam was looking around, Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe. <laughs> and he didn't see anything or anyone suitable. It's a testimony that God created everything. When you see a woman, thank God. And so I met a guy on, on the plane. I told you earlier this morning, he was coming from Delhi. He's from India, but he lives in Canada. And he used to be a pro base basketball player. And he used to do international basketball. And we were talking about that. I tried to do like Jesus did with the Samaritan woman. Let's talk about basketball and all the, the, the folks we used to love back in the day, you know. All the, all the great people and, you know, Jordan and all that stuff. And uh asked him what he he did, and he told me his business. Then he said, well, what do you do? And I said, I uh, teach the Bible. <laughs> and he says, oh, that's interesting. He says, you know, I'm, I'm from, we're talking about false perceptions. I'm from uh, what you call the seekers. And we're not like the rest of the religious people in, 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 in India. We're a little different. Have you ever heard of the Golden Temple? And I was like, no. And he says, well, we just kind of seek peace and calm. And so I said, well, how does that work out for you in terms of, does it give you full assurance of eternity and what, what's going to happen after death? And he goes, actually, I'm still working through that. I, have, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I really don't know. And so I said, do you mind if I share with you <laughs> how I came to know for sure and how you possibly can know just added information? And he said, well, I'm open to hearing all views, so sure. So he gave me license just to explain the gospel to him. 
And this is what Jesus was doing with the woman. And at the end of me sharing with him, he said something very interesting to me. He said, thank you. So, so we have to clarify people's false presuppositions. And so Jesus also transformed her life with the truth. People don't hear the truth. So I've just spelled it. He addressed sin, A. He clarified false perceptions, C. And now T, the act, he is transforming her with the truth. Looking at verse 24 through 26, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When you share the gospel, when I share the gospel, when Christ is sharing the gospel, it has to be the work of the spirit. Isn't that good news? It takes the pressure off. It has to be God at work in me and through me. And we're introducing people to the opportunity to understand that you've been trying to be good all your life. That doesn't work. You need God to come in and do a work in you and for you, a transformative work. So it has nothing to do with this mountain or that mountain or sit here or stand there or, or whatever kind of rules you have it has everything to do with faith and what Christ did on the cross and his cross alone. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ, which means Savior. Means Emmanuel, God with us. Means he will deliver people from their sins. He he comes and he will tell us all things. So she had some knowledge about God, religion, some of this religious stuff. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. When we're sharing Christ, we're revealing to people who Christ is and who he can be. And because he's in us and he's speaking in us and to us and through us, he's impacting their lives. Dave had no idea when he walked in the door, I thought he was an angel. Because I had just prayed that I would take my own life and I just prayed that there's no hope for me. And I thought I didn't have no way out. So I was just, I was done. I was giving away all my money, all my clothes, all my stuff. And guys were thinking I was out of my mind and I was just euphoric because I'm out of here. It's over. I'm done. I'm gone. And the very next morning, some white guy comes walking into the Jackson State football dorm and he's got this glow. He's got this peace. He doesn't have a facade. And he walks up to me and he boldly says, I want to talk to the men here about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I thought, boy, I wish he'd talk to me. And the next words that came out of his mouth was, and I would like to talk to you. And I'm thinking, who told him that? And I went, this dude's an angel. He must be. And then he makes an appointment with me for the very next day. And I told you the, the day bef- that night before I had made an appointment. Maybe I didn't. But I made an appointment that, that Lord, if you're up there, do something for me. Or tomorrow at 6 o'clock, I'm going to take my own life. And Dave said, I'd like to see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. So I thought, you know what? I ain't doing nothing to myself until I hear what the angel has to say. (laughs) 
And it was powerful. And I just shared it with him recently, like right before I went to India. We were talking on the phone. We were talking about India. And, and he was like remembering back. And he was like, he didn't remember. And I said, and I said, Dave, when you shook my hand, I want you to know there's something that happened. I can't even explain. But I felt God's love and presence coming through you. I didn't know that's what it was at the time. But I felt more love coming from you than I'd ever felt from my own father. I couldn't understand it. And I just knew that you had to be an angel. He said, <laughs> he says, no, I wasn't an angel. <laughs> but when we go, when we share, and we gently tell people, God didn't come to condemn you. He's, he's offering grace, but you got to deal with sin and guilt if you're going to have faith in Christ. And we tell people respectfully, you know, you have a perception, but that, that's a false perception. If you assume that God didn't create, that means you're building your life on a false foundation. It's okay to clarify those things for people. What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? And then when we want them to understand the truth, the truth is, you must believe in Jesus. There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. And that's narrow. Well, it's not my road. It's his road. I'm just a messenger telling you. He says I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And when I look in history and I look at the uniqueness of Christ, I see no comparisons. He stands at the center of time. He is celebrated all over the world, his birthday year-round. We're going to go into Easter season. The world celebrates his resurrection. It's one, either one of the biggest hosts that's ever been pulled for the last 2,000 years or is an amazing thing. What if he actually came out of the grave? And that was the thought that changed my life. If he could do that, then maybe he could come and change me. And I had to try it out. And I have to try it out not physically or through some effort on my own. It was like Jesus said in John 3 to to Nicodemus. It's like the wind that blows. You can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. It's a spiritual birth. We know it. And there are people that need to know it. And so she was transformed. She had an amazing response. Just then, his disciples, verse 27, comes up and they marvel that he was talking to a woman. Remember I told you this was all social taboos. Jesus was breaking those barriers to present the gospel. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Who wanted to be the one to accuse the Lord of doing something that wasn't quite kosher? So the woman left her water jar, listen to this, went away to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all I ever did, can this be the Christ? Now, what you got to see here is there's immediate transformation in her. She comes from the village at the hottest part of the day, 
brings her rope bucket to get water. She's hauling up water, and Jesus says, give me a drink. And so she's got the water there, and she forgets about the water. Jesus is talking about living water and all that stuff. She forgets about that. She's talking to Jesus about worshiping in this mountain and that mountain. She forgets about that. And she's talking about the Samaritans versus the Jews. She forgets about that. She doesn't mention any of that. About There's this Jewish guy who told me. She doesn't talk about any of that. All she is talking about is Jesus. And something happened when she, he said, spirit and truth. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Because God's vision is to create new worshipers of him. I told people in this marriage conference that one of the reasons... God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Do you, do you understand why he didn't? It was suitable for male and female to come together and the reproduction system was put in place. Do you understand what, the, what God was doing? God was creating generations of generations and generations and billions and billions of people who would be worshiping around his throne now and forever. So he's creating new worshipers of him so that they can get zeal for him and they can go announce to the world, James, you don't look the same. That's what the guys in the football dorm told me when I came back that weekend. They were like starting players on the football team, the wide receiver, (laughs) running back. And they're looking at me like, Jay, something's different about you. And I was like, uh, I don't know how they know that, but I'm not telling them anything. <laughs> and then they look at me and they go, you know what, Jay? Um, something's different. You got to tell us. I said, what are y'all talking about? They said, man, you need to just stop playing. You're not leaving here till you tell us. And I shared with them what happened. And they said, I need to do that. And those guys started a Bible study with the football team. And Dave was telling me the other day how the coach came to the, to the dorm, football dorm, looking for all the guys. He couldn't find them. And they were all in this guy's room that I had shared the gospel with because he was having a Bible study in there. And they had all gathered in there. And so Jesus is now the S in this. He's sending his church into a dark world to reap a harvest of souls. See, we know this as Presbyterian because Paul said, all appointed for eternal life believed. So, um, I kind of don't have any excuses anymore. Well, nobody's going to want to hear what I have to say. It's, well, it really isn't about what you have to say. It's about them hearing from the Lord. Well, people don't want to hear it. They're not going to believe. Well, the Lord has already foreordained some folks to come. So we could just probably run into a few that say no and a few that say, but there's at least one that wants to hear. We know. So God is sending you. God is sending me. There's nothing special about me. I'm from, I'm from Clarksdale, Mississippi. You said, what? Yeah. 
the home of the blues and the crossroads and a little small town and I'm a small town boy and I'm married to a small town girl and I'm proud of it. But nothing special. In Clarksdale, it's just a lot of dirt. That's all it is. Flat land. And I haven't even got to the report yet. Uh, I don't know how to do sermons and reports. I either got to do reports or sermons. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know which one I'm going to do. How I can do that. So let me say this. So in this context, this woman goes back and she tells people and then they're coming and the disciples are there going lord what are you doing they're still trying to go about ordinary business have you eaten you know and jesus is like i got food you know not of and they're like what is he talking about and and jesus looked at them and said basically the fields are white to harvest and 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 i and i heard from someone who had gone to israel they said at the place he was sitting when he said that he could look and see the people from the village of, of Samaria coming out, and he could see all of them coming toward him. And when he said, look, the fields are white to harvest, it may not be like you think it ought to look. Some of them might be thugs, robbers, or prisoners, or poor folks. Some of them might just be people who just are stubborn and hard to get along with. But the fields are white to harvest. So you go, I'm sending forth laborers, is exactly what he says. And then he says, pray, in, in Luke, he says, pray. And he says, in Matthew, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest field. Pray that God would give us as a church a vision for how we can Encourage others to come to know him. People are going to listen more to you than they're going to ever listen to the pastors. They're going to listen more to you as individuals. I'm supposed to talk about uh, the trip to India, but I need to go ahead and close now because service is over. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm used to black church. I'm sorry. <laughs> we do at least an hour and a half. <laughs> And uh, I, I really apologize. Um, I, maybe we should have a party and have us over and you can see some videos and, and we gather or we have a special service. Well, all I'm doing is talking about the trip. And uh, um, a guy that hadn't preached in a long time, you don't give him opportunity to preach. He can't shut up. <laughs> so um, let me just conclude by saying... I had no idea that God wanted to do all the things he's done in my life. When I came to Christ, I was the most beat down, low self-esteem person you could ever meet. Like I said, I had already made a decision to take my own life. And I had to spend years getting over guilt and shame for all the things I had done. But in spite of that, in spite of my flaws and failures, the Lord took ordinary me and used me to do Wonderful things, and I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to faith. And I believe that God wants to use this church and the individuals in this church. He took 12 and turned the world upside down. I think we got a little more than that here. 
I'm excited about Lake Martin. I'm, a, I'm envisioning 200 folks at that church easy. I'm, I'm believing God can fill these pews up on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights because we are praying and we're going and talking to people and we're sharing the love of God with them. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Please apply your word to our hearts. Please help us be the men and women you've called us to be. Lord Jesus, in your name, amen.